Hi, this is Surya Devi, and welcome to A Voice for Love. I'm a world music artist and practitioner of the healing arts, living on the unceded, traditional territories of the Coast Salish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh people, otherwise known as Vancouver, Canada. On this show, we speak with leaders and visionaries from around the world to talk more about what it means to be a voice for love. No matter what we believe in, we can learn to lead from love and speak from the heart so we can usher in true peace and healing on this planet together. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey everyone, this is Surya and welcome to A Voice for Love. This is going to be a very special episode because today I am actually going to be interviewed by the wonderful, amazing Farnaz Ohadi, who was my guest for episode 31 last year. And she is coming to us from Sevilla in Spain today. And I'm here in Vancouver. And, uh, after we finished our conversation for when I interviewed her, we were chatting a little bit and she said, you know, I would love to interview you. And I said, I would like that because there's, you know, different aspects of my story that I've never shared. And this was about a year ago now. And uh, just a few weeks ago, she popped up <laughs> and messaged me and said, let's do it. And I said, it's time. So uh, without further ado, I will hand it over to you, Farnaz. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Thank you for uh, being with us. A Voice for Love has been a really beautiful experience for me. I have known Surya for over 10 years now. We're just figuring that out before we started recording this conversation. It's been almost 12 years and I met her through her now I'm sure famous gatherings with the lovely Marina when they were doing angel readings and she was specifically working on fairy readings. At the time, I was an absolute non-believer <laughs> in a sense that I was not really believing in anything because I was coming from a lot of religious trauma and all that. But, you know, we won't get into that. But I was clinging, looking for something. And out of nowhere, a friend told me about this gathering that she was hosting. And I went and it changed my life in all kinds of ways, but very subtle ways. It has stayed with me. And what she brought out that evening to tell me and I was sitting in a corner under a blanket just minding my own business and she you know it's like you over there in that corner <laughs> I have a message for you and that message has stayed with me truly and honestly for the last 12 years and it comes up and there's one particular entity that looks over me and I'm I say all these things with with the heart of a non-believer that it changed my life and Surya has been in my life and she pops into my life in all the right times and you know, she's always there. So I have been really interested in getting to know her because I know her life story is very rich in all kinds of ways. And I think it benefits all of us and myself included to really get to know her a little bit more. So I'm going to welcome you to your own podcast, Surya. Thank you um, so much. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> tell us, tell us what you think that we don't hear or know about you. You've hosted 57 episodes so far, which is very, very impressive. In the last two years, it hasn't been that long, has it? It's quite impressive. But tell us more. Tell us what you're about. What would you like us to know more about you? The beginning of it all, maybe. Oh, the beginning of it all. Well, I was born. 
<laughs> my, my parents did something. I came out of my mother's womb. And, but actually, the, actually, if you want to take it back, like really take it back. Uh, my mother had two miscarriages before she had me. Um, so I have two brothers, one who's older than me and one who's younger. And my mom had two miscarriages before that she could have me. And they were actually both boys. So it was very interesting. I guess I was destined to come through as a, I feel like I was definitely meant to be, I feel very affiliated with being with, with, with being a woman in this life and the whole, you know, the divine feminine and whatnot. I definitely feel um, comfortable and happy in that role. So I'm pretty sure uh, I wasn't meant to be a boy, which also I'm sure I've been many lifetimes, but uh, Hmm. yeah, I didn't grow up particularly spiritual, you know, my parents didn't really raise us religious or anything like that. So I didn't really, I kind of thought God was like the, you know, the, the white man in the beard with the sky kind of thing. And it's funny. Cause I always say that I grew up with that Christian guilt, even though I wasn't even really Christian, but that was really sort of imprinted in me somehow or another. I don't know whether it was through my family or just through society that, you know, like there's certain things that you do are good and other things you do are bad. And if you do these bad things, you're going to get punished. And God is sort of somebody, something to be feared, you know? So Mm -hmm. I had all those sort of ideas running through me. And at the same time, I was also very sort of fascinated by the mysterious things of life. Like I remember like when I learned about ancient Egypt and all these kinds of things, like those things really sort of piqued my curiosity. And then it wasn't until I was a teenager, actually. And I read this book, The The Mists of Avalon, if you're familiar with it. It's a- Oh, I am familiar with it. Yeah, it's the, the story of King Arthur told through the women of his life, right? Yeah. Yes. And so it's a movie as well now, but I read the book and that the book-, is book exceptional, yeah. Oh, it completely blew my my whole world open because up until that point, I never had a concept that God or the divine could be feminine. And that to me was just like this, what? Like there were priestesses, there were priestesses who worshiped the goddess under the moon and drew like, you know, moons on their foreheads. And like, this was just revolutionary to me. And this completely changed my life. This idea that there could be a divine feminine and that resonated so deeply with me. And I, and I felt like that. I felt like those priestesses because I sort of felt like, again, going back to this idea of like this Christian guilt that I, that, and I had this animosity towards Christianity as well, that I thought that it was evil and bad and corrupt and all of these things. And so again, I believe now that that was some, some sort of like a past life memory that I had, because when mm-hmm. I read about those priestesses, I was like, yeah, yeah, that was me. That was me just trying to sit there, you know, being with the earth and just being with the elements and not being allowed to, for some reason or another. And so that Where was sort of right here in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. I, I'm one of the few, I'm one of the few like Vancouver born and bred people. Cause as you know, like living here for as long as you have a lot of people in Vancouver are not from here. People come here from all over the place. A lot of people who are from here tend to leave here. So sometimes when people meet me, they're like, wow, you're a true Vancouverite. Like my mom still lives in the house that I grew up in, which is incredible. Wow. That is pretty incredible. Yeah. It's so beautiful. you, but you didn't live in a Christian household, but I guess it was saturated the society around you that seemed like it was the only option right I think when I first arrived in Canada it seemed like the only option there were the anomalies the you know the Jewish families and the the token Muslims and maybe the East Indians but really the overwhelming cultural acceptance accepted impression was Christianity so I guess that's how you felt as well Uh, it is and actually it's funny because my son was asking me the other day 
why is it the year 2023? Just like out of the blue. And I was like, well, funny, you should ask, you know, our entire calendar is based on the, you know, around the birth of Jesus. But I was saying this to my friend the other day, I was like, you know, and I, I love Jesus. And what we might get into a little, this a little, little later, I feel like I reconciled and I healed my whole relationship with Christ and with Christianity and Jesus through some really crazy events in my life that I went through. Um, but you know, I was saying, and like, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to insult anyone when I said this, but I'm like, Jesus was the original fake news. Not that Christ himself is fake, but that his story, we now know that so many things about this story are not true, including when he was born. Like he was not born in December. And yet, you know, we celebrate Christmas, which is a wonderful time of year. You know what? People love Christmas, whether they're Christian or not. But, you know, we know now that Jesus wasn't born at this time. There's all of these things that we don't actually know about his life. Life. And, you know, probably they changed the calendar from what I understand. I think it was Pope Gregory, which is why it's called the Gregorian calendar, that actually mm -hmm. this calendar was more for um, taxation purposes, because the word month comes from the word moon, right? So the moon should be actually if we were we could keep a calendar for the rest of time, um, as far as I understand, uh, 13 moons, 28 days. And then one day off in, in, in which they call the day out of time. This is from the Mayans, but this is actually, they had the most scientifically accurate ca calendar system in the world. And so our, even our current calendar system that we're in, isn't really, um, in alignment with us. And you would know this from being Persian, right? Like you guys have a different calendar, like so many different mm -hmm. cultures have different calendars and most of them collaborate with the moon. And also, you know, as we know, the moon also collaborates with the woman's cycle that is usually around 28 days. So these are all things in nature. And then yet now we live in this weird calendar that has, you know, 12 months that have all these, like some days have 31, some days have 30, like February mm -hmm. has 28 days. It's all very strange. So yeah, I would say I was influenced by Christian culture without even being Christian, except for one, one, one thing that stands out to me was when my friend tricked me to going into Bible camp when I was about 12. Like I didn't really know. I just thought I was going to a regular camp and I had been to many like YMCA camps and, you know, we would sing a few God songs here and there, but it wasn't a big thing, you know? And so my friend was like, Oh, come to my camp. And what I didn't realize was that it was a full on Bible camp. Right. And we were like reading out of the Bible and it was very Christian focused. And I was kind of going through a rebellious stage at the time. And, and I said, like, I don't believe in any of this stuff and they, and they told me and my other friend who was kind of on the same attitude as me they told us that we were going to go to hell like when we were 12 and I even then it's so funny that's my rebellious side I told them like I can't go to hell because I don't believe that it exists <laughs> I think that's a really good answer actually I mean yeah he heaven and hell are <laughs> right logical. heaven and hell are here like in the yeah. mind and in the heart yeah. they're right here in the moment we choose you know heaven and hell in, in many ways of course there's many things that happen in this life that are tragic and out of our control but as far as like our everyday goes we choose heaven and hell based on our thoughts our you know how we choose to think how we choose to look at things and you know hell is in the mind you know it's like when people yeah. die this is why I have to be a little careful when people pass on sometimes because I'm like oh wow like they're free you know and we hear story after story of this like the soul is liberated once we leave the human body because the human body like is the ego first of all we have an ego and our body has a lot of needs and the body can cause a lot of suffering you know people who are sick or who are ill like that's a lot to manage you know that can create a, a, a hell right there in itself you know just somebody who's in incredible pain from from some kind of condition that they have in their body so but do I believe in like heaven and hell like 
no, I don't. And I was thinking about this the other day and I was thinking about, sorry, I, this is kind of relevant, but not, but just because we're talking about it, I was thinking about Santa Claus. Like, I'm like, wait a second. All we did with Santa Claus, like this is like the story of God, but turned inside out, you know? And when you, when you flip Santa's name, you get the Satan. And here's this guy with a white beard who does this naughty and nice thing, which is kind of like the heaven or hell thing. And then he's this like man in the sky who gets to judge us whether we've been good or not. Like right. this like, right. it's so strange I don't know why all the like, same patterns regurgitated over and over again yeah, yeah. And, and so it's in our consciousness whether or not sorry whether or not we we've actually been raised in it or not like that it's it's there in our society yeah no I understand that what's very interesting is that I'm listening to you is that I get this impression that you're just naturally very inquisitive like you just look at things and I'm like and you just don't just take them you they need to go through filters until you accept parts of it. And then if there are parts that are unclear or don't make sense to you, you go after them. Is that an accurate observation? Were you yeah. like that from early on? Yeah. I, yeah, okay. I, I think so. Because I, I always, again, I didn't understand this until much later on. I didn't really understand what it meant to be empathetic. And because I just didn't know any different, I was just that way. But I always had a feeling about things. And so, for example, like when I watch TV and when the advertisements would come on, I'd be like, ugh, like I don't want to watch this because I felt the manipulation. Like, you know how they use so much manipulation in advertising? And the news was another one. I would watch the news and I would just be like... I don't know, like something doesn't feel right here. There's like this person with this plastic look on their face telling some, you know, horrible story that's happened. And like, so today we have to report, you know, and then, you know, it's it just everything felt so off. So right away, I had this feeling like, I, I don't know what's going on here in the world, but something is off. And then when I was 20, I was about 20, I would say, that's when I had what I would call my awakening. And when I had this awakening, I received a whole bunch of information from a whole variety of sources, including, you know, just out there in the world from spirit, just about the true nature about what's really going on behind the scenes on this planet. And that was like this big aha moment. Cause I was like, I knew it. I was like, I knew it. Like I knew so many things were off here. I knew we're being lied to. Like, I just knew it. It was like, I felt it in my being, but I didn't exactly know what it was. So that that was very confusing to me. And then also it took me a long time to understand that I was so empathetic that my whole life I had just been picking up the energy from everyone around me. So I was always bombarded by all these different feelings and sensations and I couldn't figure out where they came from. But now I know that I was just picking them up from say, you know, my mom or my dad or my teachers or like anyone around me. So I, and I didn't, I didn't understand this for, for a long time. It was like a big aha moment when I finally understood it, but I don't know. I think how did like you learn how to manage it because I think empathy sometimes is called a little bit of a gift that it's, you know, it's, it's a difficult gift to handle and you come across the wrong people, or maybe there is no such a thing as wrong people. You just come across people who have big, difficult lessons to teach you, right? Like, and, and empathetic people seem to really draw these people to themselves. Yeah. Um, I mean, we can get into that, but I just wondered when in your 20s, you sort of had, the, I guess, an epiphany. Did you did you have a label for it? And did you understand what it really meant and how to protect yourself or what it what kind of a complete package it came with or no? That was no, I, I did. I didn't understand that yet. Uh, it's, so it's pretty interesting. And I wouldn't have thought about this unless you asked me this way. So thank you. So it's pretty interesting. Like, so I had this awakening 
when I was 20, but it was more connected to, I was doing this like energy healing and it was from the source of the energy healing was like from the Pleiades, which is that constellation known as the seven sisters and people who are into different kinds of, um, you know, spiritual and new age sort of stuff. Um, a lot of them feel connected to different star systems. And there's a lot of talk that, you know, which I believe that there are beings from all over the galaxy who are here right now that are assisting us on the earth because we're going through a big shift on the earth. And they have, you know, they want this to happen for us in the good way, because they know that if something bad happens to the earth, that it actually affects the entire galaxy. Like it's, you know, we're all interconnected, whether we're talking about the earth, or if you want to expand that out even deeper, which is that we're part of a whole solar system that we may not even know anything about you know we as humans we think we're so advanced but we only know like 12 planets and we, we don't really know what else is going on out there like it just as far as what I believe to be true I think it just goes on forever and ever I'm sure there's all kinds of life everywhere that we don't even know about we may never know about um so that so so I kind of got into this kind of spirituality thing and it was more of like a new age kind of thing because I didn't have any foundation with religion or spirituality that I was really taught so that has been interesting <laughs> and I would say that some of that conditioning actually I'm, I've been trying to undo in past years because what I sort of believe now is that some of what we would call the new age is actually not really totally rooted in truth. And there's a lot of things there that can be quite dangerous, especially for people that don't have some kind of a spiritual, like some kind of a solid spiritual foundation, which they probably don't, which is why they get drawn to the new age in the first place. Or, you know, there's different reasons why. Sometimes people come out of organized religion and they can't handle the, you know, the, the strictness or the rigidity or the rules that are imposed in them. So then they're drawn to this very open sort of um, belief system but there's not really a lot of responsibility in a lot of the new age teachings. And there's a lot of ways to like take that and twist anything you want to mean whatever you want. And we see this all the time, sort of in the modern day spiritual industry. And I feel like it affected my mind sometimes in an interesting way. Like I, it's like, I look too much for magical thinking. Like my thinking is a little too magical. And right now what I'm trying to do is sort of bring everything back to earth, because as we know, like the central spiritual teaching of all you know, traditions essentially brings it back to the present moment, which is that really nothing else exists outside of the present moment, but it's our minds and all these other things that are keeping us either like in the past or in the future. But what we're really trying to be is in the now. So when I had my awakening, you know, I was really out there for a bit, like even to the point, like people, people would see me that knew me and they're like, something happened to you. Like what happened to you? My eyes were glowing. And I was just like, woo, like kind of on this cosmic, you know, trip. And that was all really great. But then it's funny. I don't think I even really had a connection with God, but I was still adverse to God because again, I, I still associated God with the, you know, the white man with the white beard in the sky who was condemning us. So I didn't want anything to do with that until, and I don't know how this came about. I don't think it was any one thing. I feel like it was a process where all of a sudden I became very connected to God and I started to understand God. I actually, I think it was through a number of spiritual experiences that I had, I have to say, just through like, um, like a couple of things just popped in my mind. Like, you know, I had some experiences like in India and just throughout my life where I had that direct experience of oneness, where I feel like I experienced God. And then I was like, oh, okay. Like this is what the divine is. And it's something beyond religion. It's something beyond gender. It's something beyond, you know, like when people talk about like, is God male or female? I'm like, God's God. Like, it's just, you know, we can give male and feminine attributes attributes, which is fine, but it's just, God is bigger than all of it. God is bigger than labels. God is bigger than religion. It's just a, you know, it's the energy of everything that is even the 
word God is, you know, some people like that word, some people don't. So yeah, so it's been a, it's been an interesting journey and now kind of bringing it back and really, again, just trying to sort of simplify things and just stay connected in every moment. And for me, it's really about service. That's sort of what I feel like the spiritual path is about. Like it should just be about, you know, we're here, we're here to learn and we're here to grow and then we're here to serve. To give. Yeah. To give. Um, do you have someone that you go to when you have big questions or are there multiple people for different things that come up? are you connected to your parents or a guru of some kind or yeah I I definitely am I have I'm very blessed to have a lot of wonderful uh spiritual teachers one of them I mean Marina who is my she's my good friend but she's also you know we I would say we're like wise counsel for each other um also I have a mentor named Sue DeMay who is amazing and I've been working with her for over five or six years and we actually just wrote a really amazing group book together yeah yeah yeah. thank you please tell us more about that yeah I'm so excited about it it's called we are we are all healers how uh ordinary people with extraordinary intention will heal heal the world and it's just a collection of stories from a group of us most of us have been in her sort of spiritual community for a number of years together so it's been really wonderful for me to read everybody's stories and learn a little bit more about everybody that I didn't know but this Mm -hmm. concept is just so dear to my heart because I I do believe that we are all healers in our own way you know whether you like that word or not it's not about the word it's just that we all have the ability to be a healing presence for one another right and you know one of the stories that she tells in the book is about this crossing guard that was at her kid's school and that this crossing guard like she's never forgotten him because he just took his job so seriously he always smiled at everybody he brightened everybody's day like I'm sure we can all think about people that we know like this in our community like I was thinking about this one bus driver that I remember when I used to ride the bus and he would like tell jokes on the little thing and like you know he would make everybody laugh and then do you remember opera man on south granville yes yeah a commercial in granville like walks around and sings opera yeah, yeah he's just like this man and he's got this incredible voice and he just walks around singing opera at the top like it's like these types of people you know it's just these these characters who are out in the world and so like imagine if everyone just decided every day to do something like for me, I just wake up every day and I'm like, okay, God, like, how do you want me to serve today? How can I be of service? And then I just see what, what comes up, you know, and sometimes that looks like that's been a lot of my activity on social media for the last few years. That's just, especially through COVID, I felt very, like very much guided to like show up every day and just give positive messages of affirmation or share. And a lot of people told me they're like, thank you, you know, cause it was a hard time for everybody. And, you know, when I share on social media, that's just kind of my intention. I'm like, oh, you know, even if this helps one person, then I'm happy. And sure enough, most days I get somebody going, I really needed to hear this today. And so I'm like, that's great. Then that's, you know, and so it doesn't have to be this big thing. You know, we can all serve because just imagine like if everybody just looked for little ways to serve or set the intention to serve without being attached to what that is just in their life, in their community, in their family, if everybody did that, we would have a very different world. And so there's these little shifts that we can all make every day that are incredible that are possible and if everyone was to do things like this we would live in a very different world that's that's actually a beautiful way to live a life honestly it's like okay what can I do today even a little thing which actually brings me to my other question but before we get there I just want to make sure that you remember to put you know the name of your book and it's doing really really well in the episode notes right so yes 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 
Yeah. And actually we're going to do, I think I'm going to, um, I'm going to do a whole episode on the book actually with, with Sue. I asked, I just messaged her this morning. Cause we talked about it before. I was like, we got to talk about this book yes, because it's, awesome. a, yeah, yeah. Awesome. We did, we hit international bestseller status, which is kind of exciting. It's the whole it's resonating. It's resonating with people. It's amazing that you say it's multiple stories. That means that there's a, there's a story for everybody, you know, not every story is for everyone, but there's always a story for someone. Right. Oh, there, there really is. There's one, you know, there's one story in there that really touched me. I mean, they've all touched me, but one was from um, a woman who is a, you know, a single mom and she went through a lot. And, and she said like one of her biggest graces in life is that her daughters don't hold anything against her for any of the things that oh, happened growing up. And she feels that, that like, isn't that just like, you know, because, parenthood guilt, yeah. like they just, she just said, they totally have forgiven everything. They understand everything. They understand that she was in the position she was in and she did the best that she could. And I was like, wow, right there. That's so that's such a profound example of of healing and sometimes it's like we think we have to do these big things in the world but we we don't it's in the little things and you know that expression god is in the details god is yeah. in the details god is in the little things it's in these everyday moments that we have with people like just the other day i helped this man in the um he was looking for dishwashing detergent, this old man. And he was like super confused. So I just like walked and I found it for him and I walked him over where it was. And I was like, there you go. Like, who knows? He could have been in there for half an hour if I didn't help him. And that's just a very simple thing. Like every day, if we look for opportunities to serve and look for opportunities to be of service, I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. But you know, let's expand on that a little bit. Could we even make it maybe a bit more micro in a sense that do we start from within? Like if you're kind, if we're servicing ourselves first, then our cup is full so we can share that cup with others. Do you find, did you ever had a time in your life that you felt that you weren't so kind to yourself or or you always been really mindful of yourself first? Like, tell me about that. That, that must have been a journey for you. Oh yeah. Okay. That, that is a good question. Because if you're asking like, what do people want to know about me? Especially because I, I told you, I think I, I know I trigger people. They've told me because they, people just assume that I'm so happy and everything is so great for me because of my personality. I yeah. actually have probably struggled with the deepest self-hatred of anyone that I've ever known my entire life. Like from the time I was born, like it's taken me, but I I'm still there a little bit, but not, it's nothing, but you know, it, it's a little bit, it's lighter now, but the depths of it. And I asked my mentor once, I was like, what, what, like, why did I choose this? Like, why did I come in this way? And she, she's been through something similar, not exactly, but similar. And she said, I just think you like me asked on a soul level to experience the great depths of this so that you could transform it. And, and that's really what healing is about, right? Is the transformation. So I was my whole life, I just felt, and again, I think this was from some traumatic events that happened in childhood. I think it's some past life stuff as well. I do believe in past lives and that our souls are not, you know, most of us are not on our first incarnation here. We've lived many times. And so we bring all of that forward with us. And even if it's not past lives, it could be the generational trauma that lives inside of us. That's, you know, so we feel all of these things sometimes that don't correspond to our everyday experience because we're running the programs of our ancestors as well. So whether you believe in past lives or not, there, there is a past element that's happening in there because it's existing in our DNA. So I've been consumed, like I was like Van Gogh for a long time, you know, like 
I would like create something like musical or whatever. And then I would destroy it and I would pick everything apart. And an astrologer once told me, she's looked at my chart and she was like, oh no. And I was like, what? And she said, I have some, like I'm a Virgo. And she said the way my mercury is or something, she said, it's just grinding down on me 24 seven so that I'm so hard on myself. And I said, that makes complete sense to me because I've always been like that. Like I'm so easy with others and I genuinely have so much love and appreciation and care and compassion for everyone else. But when it comes to myself, I have been so hard on myself um, until recently. And that's been a whole lifetime of, of, of work of shifting, but I don't think this is completely unique to me because in my work with people, like, you know, I've worked with over 20,000. I don't even know how many people now over the years, because again, it's like, I've been doing this work for so long. I, 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 I find that everyone struggles with some aspect of self-love or self-worth. Very rare is the person who truly, truly has a pure love and appreciation for self. Everyone else seems to struggle with it. And the people that you see that are really full of themselves, oftentimes they're the ones that are actually the most, you know, they seem outwardly like everything is so great. But then actually when you really peel away the layers of them, that's just a complete facade. So it's really interesting. And I've said this over the years. I'm like, I, I just don't get it. Like, why do we hate ourselves so much? Like as humans, like, why is it, why is it so difficult for us to really truly love ourselves? And it's a, and it's a journey, but you know, if going back to like, if the purpose of life is to grow and change and transform, we can transform those things. And so I can tell you that I went from somebody who like hated myself. I hated my body. I hated like everything. And I mean, maybe God made me this way for a reason. Cause again, there's reason for people to look at me and be like, Oh, she's whatever. Cause I'm white. I'm skinny. Like whatever, you know, no, no, I hated my body. I had an eating disorder from the time I I was like eight, you know, I just, the way I felt in my body, the way I didn't feel good enough because I felt like growing up, it was the blonde haired, blue eyed California girl. That was the, you know, not the, not, not me, you know, and I wore glasses and I had braces for a time, you know, so I was kind of awkward and all of this. And just, I grew up around people that were, um, sort of more, it's, it's just interesting, like perspective. So now if I were to say like, I know that I was so lucky to grow up where I, where I grew up grew up because I grew up on the west side of Vancouver and it was safe, you know, like above all it was safe. And yeah, you know, like most families where, you know, everybody was worried about money all the time and all that kind of stuff. But we, we always had food on the table. Like no matter what was going on, I never went hungry. My parents always could feed us, you know, like we did do a lot of things. Like we we could do some extracurricular activities, all these types of things. But growing up, I didn't feel that way because I was surrounded by people who had a lot more wealth and abundance than I did. So I just assumed that we were just, you know, we were so hard done by and all these kinds of things. And then it wasn't until I really went out in the world and started meeting people and got, and went, gosh, like I am so fortunate. But again, I didn't know that until, you know, it's, it's perspective, right? Like we, we don't know, we only know really what's going on, but I mean, it's a little different now because of the internet, which is a very double-edged sword for, for children and for everybody, because now it's like, we know about everything for, for better or for worse. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, do you find that your perspective on how you treat yourself has changed since you've become a mother? Wow, that's an interesting question. Yes, I think I, I forget this sometimes, but I feel like giving birth was like one of the most empowering things, you know, like, you know how it feels, right? It's like, yeah. after you give birth, it's like, whoa, like I just birthed a life. It's like, I it's just like, did that. Yeah, yeah, like I did that. Like, yeah, but, you yeah. know, I, I forget about it because, you know, you just forget like life goes on, but yeah. yeah, you know, because when you become a mother, you're not as much for yourself anymore. 
Because I mean, when you're, as your child grows up now, I'm finally getting a little bit of relief because my fun son's like six and a half, but you know, you, when, when your child is small, you, you have to do everything for that child. They come first, not you. And so you, you have to, there is this element of sort of self-sacrifice. There is, you do have to do for this child first because they can't take care of themselves. They rely on you to take care of them. So yeah, it did, it did change, but I, I feel like I loved myself more. Actually. I feel like that was, I feel like he was a big turning point in a lot of things for me. Oh yeah. And then probably another thing that people don't know and would never guess about me was that I was tormented by suicidal thoughts of wanting to end my life for most of my life. Um, to the point, like I, you know, I used to take like bottles of pills when I was a teenager. I remember being like drunk once as a teenager and trying to throw myself in front of a car and all these people. And I was consumed by these like dark, like thoughts that I didn't want to live anymore, that I couldn't go on. Like it was, it haunted me. And that stopped when my son was born. And I feel like that was one of the gifts that he gave me was that, that all of a sudden I was like, I don't know what it was. If it was that he, he's, his essence healed me on some level and, or it was that now I was a mom. I'm like, I can't even entertain this anymore. I can't, I can't leave anymore. I can't check out. I can't die because he needs me. So I, 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 that was very interesting. It was like those thoughts just like, they just stopped. They didn't exist anymore, which is interesting to think then like, what, what were they or where did they come from? But they were, it was, this was not just a one-time thing. This was like a reoccurring theme throughout my life. I would just go down into this and it would surprise people. It's only people who really know me well, that sort of know some of these other things. And so it's interesting. I do have a few people that I've known for a long time. And one of my Mm -hmm. friends who I've known since I was um, five. She said that to me once. She's like, you know, I forget sometimes with you, but it's actually extraordinary how much that you've changed in, in your life. Cause I was like this really kind of awkward, shy, like, um, very sensitive, you know, little girl and somehow became, you know, I don't know, just, just different, you know, like you, now you see something else again, you, what you see with me now is something that makes people think almost that like, they, they don't like me or they get triggered by me because they think I'm so happy. And so, but that's, it's interesting. Cause it's like, it's not fake. This is literally my personality. Like I've always been like this. It's like the sunny, you know, that's like even the name Surya, right? Like it means sun in Sanskrit. Like when I, you know, when that name came through, it was like, oh, that's perfect. Cause people have called me sunshine. And yet also it, it's interesting. It's like, and it's not either, or it's just, and like, that's one aspect to me and that's real. And then I have another side of me that's, you know, maybe, you know, struggled with all these more depressive things. And then what's funny, what what I was thinking about it this morning, I was thinking about that really angry part of me. And one of the songs I'm going to put out next, which is actually a very old song that I wrote many, many years ago, like pre like 2008 or something like this. Um, It's called Only Love is Real. And I was singing the song to my son the other night when he fell asleep. And one of the lines I say, I'm trying to release all this anger that I feel. And when I sang that line, I was like, holy cow, I used to be so angry. My nickname was the aggro hippie. So even around this time when I'd had my spiritual awakening, like in my, when I was 20, like, you know, a group of guy friends of mine, that's what they called me, the aggro hippie, because I was like, peace, love, and happiness. And then I'd be like, I'm going to kill you. And I had all this anger and I had like, not like I was literally going to kill people, but I had this like raging, like something inside of me. And some of it was directed towards social causes. Like I always had that heart for social justice. And I always like want to fight the good fight. And I was always kind of against the, you know, 
I was always more for the underdog and against the kind of corporate, you know, mess. I was like, that was always me. I've always been that. That's always been. So part of that was directed towards just anger at the world, you know, because I'm like, why, why, how can it be like this down here? Like, this makes me so upset. You know, why are so many people suffering down here? And I was mad at God for a long time, too, because that's mm -hmm. and that's why I didn't believe in God, which I know is quite common for people. A lot of people say, how can I believe in God when all I do is look around and see this, you know, terrible things happening? If there's a God, then why does God allow these things to happen and that was very much me for a long time and then when I sort of found God now I'm like oh my god what would I do without that you know whatever whatever it is whatever you know again going back to like we don't know what what is God what is the divine you know so I can relate to sort of being a non-believer as well because I would say that I was that like I definitely wasn't always like spiritual I was very negative for a long time I was very right. angry and I still have that anger in me it doesn't come out a lot but when it does it actually scares me and I know it's a part of my it's sort of a part of my shadow and I know that it's there to protect as well because like we talked about this a little bit you know like people who are empathic and who come off as soft as a, and compassionate sometimes people just assume like oh that they can take advantage of us or like oh we can do whatever we want to you and with you because like you're not going to do anything but most people I know that are empathetic and soft they have that they have that you don't see it often it takes a lot for it to come out but when it does it's like scary like I tell people that I'm like you don't want to see me mad it almost never happens almost never anymore especially now more than ever but it is it's I can feel it it's there but it feels like a righteous anger you know and because rightfully so like there's a lot of things to be angry about in the world yeah. and so that well, I have a theory as you're speaking and you know obviously when people talk to us all we know is really our own experience right so I'm kind of reflecting back on what you're saying and thinking about my own experiences and the disbelief and the anger that I also felt would you say that this was sourced in the idea that you didn't feel that much control over your life. And once you had your child, you felt that you had the responsibility that came with it, gave you that sense of, I can do actively something here. Like I gave you a sense of, I don't want to use the word control when it comes to your child, but in a sense that now you were in charge of your life a little bit more. Like, you know, the experiences you had with your partnerships and the search for for God and things that were sort of forced upon you a little bit with spirituality. What I'm hearing is a pattern of not having too much say, like no one really consulted you on a lot of things, not allowing you to say, oh, sorry, what is it that you want? What is it that makes sense to you? But once you had your child, you're like, you know what? This is now my world and his world and I get to decide certain things. Was that, do you think that's a good theory? Like I find maybe that is, theory for me I'm just having an epiphany moment here but I wonder if that you can relate to that yourself as well yeah com completely and a purpose mm -hmm. is sort of the word that comes into it it's like yeah. he he gave me a real deep sense of purpose and and that was always something that I was like looking for my whole life too it was like I was obsessed with like especially you know through all through my 20s after I had this big spiritual awakening I was like what is my purpose? What is my purpose? What is my purpose? And one day I heard this little voice whisper, your purpose is to be at peace. And I'm like, oh, okay. And it's funny because my birthday is quite literally <laughs> on the international day of peace. And now that gave me a lot of perspective as well, because I realized like, while I may do things in the world, you know, like I sing, you know, I do this podcast, I'm author now, you know, all whatever, all these things that I do, I do the healing work, whatever, all these things I do, like, those are more like, 
you know, 3D purposes, or they're more like, you know, different, you know, there's different types of life purposes, but that, that knowing that to be at peace is my purpose really shifted something in me because now I just remember, I just kind of check myself when I, especially when I find myself spinning about something, I'm like, am I at peace? Can I find peace? You know, that that's, that's my goal. Can I find peace? And that, that makes sense to me too. Now, especially having gone through so much again, inner turmoil, you know, on the outside, I feel like I've always been fairly composed. I think it's like I'm a Virgo in astrology. I think that's one of our things, you know, so we can, we can come off a certain way, but like inside I was just seething like mentally, like, and I I feel like it started when it was a when I was a teenager is really when I remember um, that sort of darkness coming in. Um, Childhood felt a little bit lighter for the most part, but something really shifted when I was a teenager. And then I would go in and out of these real bouts of darkness for a long time. And those would be the periods where I didn't want to live anymore. And I didn't want to, and it was, it was really intense, you know, and was I'm not like, you, you weren't really believing in your purpose. So whatever was giving you the light to follow, do you think that was why? I think, I don't know. I mean, I mean, teenagers go through things like hormonally and whatnot, that that's, that's probably part of it. I think also around that time when I was a teenager, they diagnosed me with like ADHD and they put me on a bunch of medications and all this kind of stuff. And I, and I did have a lot of cognitive issues as a teenager. Like there was a period of probably about five years where I could barely read a book. I couldn't pay attention. Like I had such a hard time. And so that affected me as well because I had to really struggle just to try to, I mean, I I couldn't have conversations like this at that time, because I couldn't, I couldn't really follow what people were saying. It's like, I could, I could see people's lips moving and I could hear words coming out, but I couldn't always connect. And so I just got good at faking it. And then the odd person would look at me and they'd be like, you're not listening to anything that I'm saying, are you? And I'm like, I'm sorry. And I I still have to do this. Like my son calls it my disinterested voice. He's like, mom, that's your, I don't care voice. And I always say to him, I'm like, honey, it's not that I don't care. I always care what you're doing. But the way that mommy is, is, is wired is like, if I'm deep in something like a thought or a moment, and I guess everyone's like this to an extent, like I I'm locked in there and I can't always come out, you know? And I said to him, it's not that I don't want to pay attention to you, but I just have a hard time sometimes. So just keep asking me, but I, you know, I just always try to tell him like, it's not personal. Well, um, I want to know more about your music. And the reason for that is because, you know, it's, I feel like your music has been in your life for a very long time. And I, I'm curious when you really felt like, Hey, I could pick up a guitar and what, what did it serve in your life? And has that changed? And I'm, interested because I'm interested in you but I'm also because I'm a musician music means something to me very particular I'm sure every musician says that but tell me what does that fall into this puzzle that Surya and this life that you just described you're you're asking all the right questions because I have a whole funny (laughs) thing with I have a whole thing with thing with music and singing too so Mm -hmm. I grew up you know, my family was pretty musical. We had a piano in the house. We were dancing around. I sang in lots of choirs and this kind of thing. But then, um, and you know, my mom always encouraged us to play instruments, except that she made me play the flute and I wanted to play the drums, but that's okay. That's how I met one of my best friends is because we sat beside each other in band class playing the flute, both of us like laughing because we were not really good at it. Um, But then something happened when I was about 17 or 18 I'm not sure exactly and now 
I don't really know what this was at the time, but I guess, you know, spiritual people talk about like these vows that we take. And I kind of took a vow to block creativity. I don't know what got into me or what, again, I think it was this, I think it was a self-protection actually is what it was. I think because I so deeply wanted to be creative, I wanted to be a musician and yet my self-doubt and my lack of self-love didn't allow me to believe in myself combined with the fact that, you know, the message that I got over and over again throughout my life is you're never going to make money as a musician. You can't make a life as a, as a creative person. So you're just going to have to like go to school and get a real job and have something, you know, that you always have to fall back on. So all these things combined when I was about 17, 18, I decided that I was never going to sing again. And this is actually when I started becoming a healer in quote unquote, you know? So, um, I, I came back from like I graduated from high school. I went to Spain, actually, exactly where you are now. I was in the South for a bit and I was like living outside of Barcelona, like working as a nanny. And then I went to South America and then I came back and, um, you know, I took a bunch of healing courses. And then I decided that it was really funny in my head. I decided singing and music was an egotistical pursuit and that I was going to be a, um, a healer instead. So I didn't sing a note for about seven or eight years, something like that. Um, and at first it was whatever. And then something started happening inside of me where I literally felt like I was going to die if I didn't sing again. Cause you know what it's like, look, when you have music in you, 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 you have to express it. And if you don't, you're going to probably get sick or you're going to be miserable or something's going to happen, whether it's music or words or any form of any, something creative, whatever our gift is. Like if we don't allow that gift like some kind of space to grow and be expressed, then it's going to destroy us. Right. It's like creation and destruction, like right there, you know? And so then I met, um, at one of my energy healing nights, I met one of my um, now mentors who's incredible. And she is a, she's wonderful. She's a Dr. Sheena Anderson. She's gone and gotten her PhD and she was the first person to do her um, PhD thesis on the topic of sadhana, which is spiritual practice. And I was part of her, um, her group. And what we did was we did a, um, she, she took us through, a all of us committed to doing a certain um, type of, you know, exercises and spiritual practice using the vocal exercise. And then she studied us and used that, um, you know, the work that we did together as part of her, her thesis and stuff. So, and she was the first one who taught me mantras. So I would go to her and she would do some traditional voice training. She sang in the Cirque du Soleil and like all over the world and stuff. She's really incredible. And she's a real powerful, like really grounded um, healer and spiritual practitioner as well. And so I would go see her and we would do voice work. And then at the end, she would teach me a mantra. And she would always tell me like that mantras actually open the voice like more than anything. She's like, you can sit and do the, the, the spiritual work if you want. I mean, the, the vocal exercises, not that they're, they're not, they're valuable as well, but she said, really, if you work with mantra that can really help to open the voice. So she's the one who, you know, started me with those. And then I made my first EP and that that was maybe 2007, 2008. So I went to the Bahamas with my good friend, Angelina, and we went to see Krishna Das, who is this, um, you know, well-known Kirtan singer. And I just had this like mind blowing experience doing Kirtan with him and like chanting. And I got home and I was so inspired that I made this whole EP on GarageBand in like five days. I just like, they just, it just poured out, you know? And it's funny because people still love that. They're like, where can I get that? Where can I get that? I'm like, nowhere. It's like, if I have a CD somewhere and I'm sure that, you know, but it's, I think cause the, you know, sometimes the first thing that somebody does is like, there's some kind of little magic 
in there, you know, people love that CD. And it's like the, the quality wasn't great. It wasn't, I don't even think it was mixed or mastered or anything. I just like made a bunch of tracks on GarageBand and that was that, you know, but that but was- it must have been sincere. And I think people respond to sincere art. So I think so. like you know short-term medium and long-term plans so from what I'm understanding from you is that your higher purpose is seeking truth in all things either understanding yourself or what God was or is what does your music mean to you um, so that keeps popping up the truth seeker and then as an extension your personal truth you know like what that is and of course by extension finding truth for your community and building a community around you that that seems that these three things seem to matter quite a bit to you is that an accurate observation yeah very mm. much so and it's so interesting because truth is like so subjective right it can mean so absolutely it, it's just like what <laughs> is about what fake it, news right yeah I mean, there you actually are. one of my one of my oldest songs <laughs> that I ever wrote called there is a light just popped in my head and the little like refrain is like I've been looking my whole life for what is true. What is true to me may not be true to you, but I love you nonetheless. And I wish you all the best on your journey back home. I like, love that. Yeah. Can you sing it? Do you feel like singing that for a second? Yeah, uh, uh, it goes. Um, I've been looking my whole life for what is true. What is true to me may not be true to you, but I love you nonetheless. And I wish you all the best on your journey back home. <laughs> I love that. It's almost and, like and a mantra, actually. It, it is. And that, that song is really interesting because I wrote it. The first 
a time I wrote that song it's almost like a church song it's called there's a light and it's just like the piano and it sounds like a song that you would hear like playing in a church but then when I was with my ex-husband who was from Senegal and we had a world music band we used to play that song I just took the lyrics and we turned it into a world music song and it was like with him playing the chora I actually have a a recording of it just us like I found it the other day and I was like I love this song and I'm singing there's a light in the darkness there's a light it shines for me and this light in the darkness it mm -hmm. shall set me free and then I go through like <laughs> it's really like I need to like just <laughs> everybody yeah. should jump in and it, it is like a, it is like and then I say like, like there's that. a light there's a light it shines for you this light in the darkness it will lead you to what is true and then this is my song. This is really funny because then I say that part that I just sang. And then the last one I sang, there's a light in the darkness. There's a light for everyone. And it shines brighter than the sun here to, to here to remind us that we are one. And that was before my name was Surya. <laughs> so that was some like, it's yeah, it's, it's a cool, your song. Oh my that's God. my song. That's my song. Yeah. I got to keep, uh, I got to keep singing it. Well, yeah. So this has been, this really, and it, it's funny because I feel like I don't know. I could be wrong, but I, I, I really feel and I've gotten many sort of premonitions and visions to show me that, like, I don't think my music in many ways has even started. Like, I feel like something is about to take form. And so that's why I'm always so inspired by you and what you've mm -hmm. done with your music and your career and starting as like a, you know, a 40 year old mother of three <laughs> children. And like, this is the first, you know, and like, look at what you're doing. Like, you just told me that, you know, one of your idols, you know, has invited you to perform with them on, on television and all these kinds of things. Like, and I yeah. think stories like ours, I have some other friends too, you know, my friend Jesse Nicholson comes to mind. She's she's turning 50 and she's just like, she's just owning it. Like when I see her perform, like I told her, I was like, she just brings so much joy to people and she's so in her power and there's something so powerful and there's nothing wrong with 20 year olds. You know, everybody is where they're at, but there's something so powerful about like a, a matriarchal woman is the word that spirit is saying in my mind, a matriarchal woman standing in that place on the stage and from that place, of, you know, where we have some experience, we have some knowledge, we have some presence and it's real presence. You know, when you're, I don't know, like I did a lot of acting training and I've done a lot of vocal training and, you know, they try to teach these things and, and they can be taught to a point, but everything has to become embodied. And, you know, back to this idea of like giving birth or the, the, the rites of passage of motherhood, you know, once you've gone through that experience, it changes you. And whether you, you know, you naturally birthed your child or not, as soon as you move into that role of that matriarchal role, there's something that that changes there you know and that's powerful and I think it's 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 again it's this thing about our society where we we praise and we idolize youth and then we we have this misconception that our youth is like coming away from us and that but I think I was just saying to someone the other day I said I I, I think we're going to see more and more people in their 50s 60s even 70s doing extraordinary things because the more people really grasp this this power of the mind and breaking free of all the societal conditionings that have told us like oh you can only do something at the this age or if you don't do something by this age like part of me really I spent my you know that time when I took the vow of creativity like against like to block creativity or whatever like I was never going to be a creative person part of that was because even by the time I was like 18 I thought that because I hadn't like made it already that I was it that was over for me because I was looking at people like um who is it's it? the like, cult of youth that's yes. what it is and it's so false. And so something wonderful that my teacher, um, Sheena, actually told me, she said in India, it is recognized 
that the women come into their vocal brilliance in their 40s, because that is actually the time when the voice is the most developed. So there, you know, a 20 year old voice isn't even a fully developed voice yet. It's going on into the 40s and 50s. So that mm-hmm. is, you know, a testament to you because you have a very powerful voice. <laughs> You're like, yeah, oh. it's a lot yeah. to happen for me to arrive at the music that I do. And I I used to be slightly resentful about that. Like, why? Why couldn't I do this when I was free? And I, you know, free, quote unquote, I'm making quotation marks here because free again is also state of mind, right? Thinking, oh, I have no children or whatever. I didn't have as many obligations, but those obligations and the journey, it sounds so cliche, but the truth of it is that I can only do what I can do because I have lived the life that I have lived. And I'm very conscious of it. So then I, you know, I'm, I'm talking to you right now and you talk to me about your journey musically. And I almost feel like, dude, like you're not even there. And look what you've done. <laughs> Imagine where you will go, all the places you will go, <laughs> you know, like in the next, next 30 years, how old are you? Like 12? But I don't, I'm 12. I don't know. I'm, for, yeah. I, I'm, for, I'm forever 21 on the rest <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I feel it. And sometimes my head gets involved and it's like, you're like, you're just making this up. You're, you know, and I have to, in those moments, I just have to, again, stay present, but I have to trust that I've seen things in my vision. They've been confirmed to me by other intuitives. Like I, I felt it my whole life. I saw it when I was a kid. And for some reason, again, it's, just, I, I've been resentful the same thing. I'm like, really? I'm like, I really had to go through all of this. Like, why did I, like, why did I have to work so hard at loving myself? Why did I have to work so hard at all of these things? Like, I don't know, but all I can tell you is that the richness that's come out of that is I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have that. And funny that the story that pops in my head now is like me being cry, like pregnant, crying in my therapist's office going, my life is over. And she's like, no, no, no. She's like, this is all happening for you. So you can help more people. And I can say that that's absolutely like I've had, I would say the last, I'm sort of out of it now, but I had a probably eight like your period that was very, 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 very difficult. And um, it almost destroyed me like on many levels. It, it really did. But, and sometimes this I'm like, did before? I, this, this so, was right before, this was prior to my, this was prior. My son again was the sort of exit out of that. He was yeah. the, and then I, and then I, I feel like he healed me in a lot of ways. Like I feel like, and I, and I feel like this happens with a lot of moms, like as much as being a new mom is exhausting and, you know, the sleep deprived and all of this, there's also this really beautiful thing that happens between mother and child, you know, the bonding, just holding this beautiful, like bundle of love. And, you know, the, you know, I'm sure you've heard it. Like I heard it too. It's like, Oh, you don't really know what love is until you become a mother, you know? And, and I, I never want to say that to anyone because I know not everyone has the desire or the capacity or the chance to be a mother. So I don't want to take that away from everyone and say that they can't experience love because love comes in all forms, but there is something about that. It's just very specific. Yeah, it's, it's a very, very specific, specific. It's a very, and it's so heart opening and heart expanding. And I really, I just think that I really just think that he healed me and I feel like he healed my body as well. Even like, I, I remember somebody saying to me, um, you know, one of my many <laughs> intuitive prophetic friends saying to me right before he was born, Oh, he's going to, he's going to heal you. And, and I feel like my body changed after that. I got much more into my body. I'm because, cause I really like, didn't, I didn't like my body a lot of my life. Like I just didn't, I just, you know, I wasn't very kind to myself. I was always speaking unkind things to myself. And it was very, it was very negative and very, um, 
Yeah. And like, I went through so much again, like, and I mean, maybe this is the purpose. Like, I, I feel like I can truly understand people because like, I understand jealousy and envy because I was so jealous and envious because I was so insecure and I hated myself for so long. So, and I, and I know what it's like to struggle with those feelings, but I don't have those feelings anymore. Maybe once in a while, a little bit, but like nothing, I'm genuinely happy for people now. I'm genuinely, I don't feel competitive with anyone because there's nothing to, I don't believe in that anymore. I'm just like, I don't believe in that lack. I believe there's something for everyone. So why would I, you know, there's opportunity for everyone. And that is such a satisfying um, feeling it's very freeing. And so these are the milestones that I really think that we should be celebrating more. You know, we celebrate all of these really, um, you know, achievement based milestones, like, Oh, I made a million dollars or, Oh, I won this award, which is all great. There's nothing wrong with that. And it's incredible to reach a goal. I'm not downing that at all, but I think the real gold is that when you say, I used to get so angry and lash out at people. And I don't anymore. I used to be so envious and jealous of people, but I'm not. I used to hate myself, but now I love myself. Like this is the real gold here, folks. Like that's that, that, and that's what we take with us on, on a soul level. Like, you know, the Buddhists talk about this a lot. They talk about how, like when we reincarnate, we bring our, our, you know, our soul's experiences and our mind as well. So one of my teachers, one of my Buddhist teachers always says, like he said that his guru always said, if you want to know what you were in your past life, look at where you're at in your present life. If you're having a pretty good experience, I mean, everybody's got problems down here. Every, and that's part of the design we're supposed to because they help us grow. But, you know, if you're generally living a pretty decent life, and again, but that's not to say that anyone who's having a bad life necessarily that that's what they did bad either, because they may have chosen that, you know, and there's, there's so many things we don't know. And this is where, like what I was saying, some of the new age stuff can get a little bit weird and dangerous. And I just try to stay in this, like, I don't know place. Cause I don't know. I have some ideas about things and I feel like, you know, spirit will tell me things, but again, spirit's going to tell me something and might tell you something else. Does that mean either of us is wrong? No, it's just that's that's what's right for you and this is what's right for me so it's all fascinating <laughs> that is fascinating because then it brings up another question the fact that you know i know you you had a difficult life a little bit in 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 the sense like the partnerships that you've had if you're so open to this guiding light that you felt that was like you know there and you were open to it why do you think you had to go through all of that well that's a very good question and part of it, like, I'll be humble. Like I'm stubborn. I didn't listen. Uh, there's a lot of situations in my life that I, you know, in, in Christianity, they would call it being obedient to God. I, I didn't listen. I, 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 I had people, I had the information. I was given the warning signs and I didn't, or was unable to heed them, which is, and I say that because sometimes, you know, when we get caught up in these relationship situations or any, it's, it's, it's like an addiction. It could be an actual addiction. This happens with people all the time. We get so into something or we delude ourselves. That's a big thing. I feel like women do this a lot. We delude ourselves into fantasies you know, and also then I, 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 who, who am I to judge that those things weren't supposed to happen? Because actually in me experiencing those things, it deepened my compassion. It deepened my understanding. I can relate to all kinds of people in a way that I couldn't anymore. I understand addiction. I understand domestic violence. I understand I like all of these things I've been, you know, like I said, I made a list once of all the things that have been like sort of done to me. And it's like a lot of really serious stuff. But if I didn't, experience those things, I wouldn't be able to 
to help people as much as I could. You know, what if, you know, if somebody who's had a perfect life and who's never had any issues, like how, how are they going to help somebody? Unless you're just naturally know everything, like you're that enlightened of a soul, but very few people on the earth are at that level. Although I know there's a lot of spiritual people who think they're at that level, but you're not, <laughs> you're just a regular human, like the rest of us. You just, and that's the big, that, that can be a real danger with the awakening is really the overstimulation of the spiritual ego, which happens a lot. And I can say again, humbly that I was very deep in my spiritual ego for a long time and actually in some ways it was my spirituality that deluded me into thinking that god was going to change this person god was going to change this situation somehow god was going to move and everything well god moved but moved us apart or moved that situation away from me or or blew it up you know so i think if you look at any great person like they've been through all kinds of stuff and it's also just it's just the it's just the shadow like we all have different sort of karmas but it's a very good question and it, i question that in myself sometimes i'm like why did some of the worst things in my life happen after i had my sort of spiritual awakening wasn't everything supposed to be all like you know yippee kaye and great but like no it it wasn't my my album that i'm working on is for the first time ever it's all about love and I don't usually do that. I mean, on surface, they're love songs, but they're not. In some ways, they're commentary on, you know, my experiences. And love doesn't always have to be physical necessarily or towards an object. You know, that's what I've come to realize that love could be either self-love, like understanding and giving yourself enough pause to sort of get to know yourself a little bit or loving a path or loving a purpose or I don't know, like all of those things are a love. But then at the end of the day, it's the single most charging way that people are motivated to do something. It could be either lack of it or seeking of it or having it and wanting to protect it, you know, or all of those things. Like the anger and the resentment comes from not feeling loved. And the fact that you might compete with someone is because I want whatever love they have either being the eyes of the people on them or they, you think their parents are better than you. So you want, you know, all of those things all comes down to love. It all comes down to love. And I a hundred percent agree with you. And it's, it's doesn't have to be physical partnership necessarily. And even loving the path, no matter how hard it is, loving it and like, you know, recognizing that, Hey, it's okay. It's okay. This is, this is my life and I'm loving it, even though it's really hard to live it sometimes, but yeah. Yeah. Thank you for it's saying that. And this is like, this is a great, this is actually a great little place to, to end because this feels really yeah. current, but I just watched this and, and I've heard this over and over again, but really now more than ever, it's like, we're being faced with a choice, like as a humanity, like we choose love or we choose fear. And those of us who choose love are going to be in a, in a different sort of timeline. And there's a lot of people right now who are really deep in fear. And some of them don't know that they have a choice. And again, being in love doesn't mean that we gaslight ourselves or the people around us and say, this isn't happening. It just means that we are able to, you know, navigate the situations that we're in through love. We can, we can, we can choose love while being in a very painful situation. We can choose love while still being angry because we can hold space for all of that stuff. But it's, it's, it's important right now because I remember hearing this from the time that I had my awakening that there would be two different, almost like two different worlds existing on the planet. 
and that some people would be in a very you know in one sort of vibration and other people would be in another and I can already see it happening you can absolutely see it happening everywhere and again choosing love doesn't mean we feel great 24 7 it doesn't mean that we don't have bad days it just means that no matter what happens we make a choice from a place of love for ourselves first and foremost and then you know for for our you know our loved ones our families our communities and then and then for the world right but it's a it's an important designation and important for people to know right now that like more than ever now like choosing love or fear is is on us so choose love please choose love well thank you for um for allowing me to see you a little bit deeper and um i love who you are i love who you're becoming and i wish you wondrous journey ahead and um i feel privileged to be a witness to that and be a part of it Wow. Well, thank you so much. And I, I wish you all the same. And I'm just always so inspired by you. And me too. I'm always watching you because I already know, like, I just see, I just see great things for you. I know you've already done a lot, maybe more than you ever. No, there's, there's more coming for sure. I feel it. There's this. I know. That's, that's, sort of like, that's, that's what I feel too. To like and it. I, and I feel that, and I, I don't know, I feel like it's this trend, actually. I feel like we might see a lot of um, singers, especially women in their, you know, who are a little bit like in their older in their thirties and their forties, maybe even in their fifties starting to really come out and that that's very purposeful. It is very purposeful, um, for, for, yeah. for many reasons. So I'm excited. Well, for the woman I told you that I was on stage with, she just had her 40th year of being on stage anniversary. Wow. So, you know, she was my teacher in the school that I was a part of last year. And then She's she's notorious for being really hard on someone on people. And then I guess without me realizing, she took a liking to me. And you know, she then she discovered this is what I do. She's from a Romani gypsy family. So she's very pure flamenco. Then I discovered a different side to her. So and she's definitely older, but she's a firecracker. Like she owns the stage, very beautiful to watch. And you're right. Like all I'm kind of a little bit surrounded by by I don't know, people who are mature in a way that they're comfortable in where they are and there's still aspirations, but that's also inspiring to watch. Like someone who's like, you know, I like where I am, but I want to get there, but I like this. Like there's no, and maybe that's the surface. I don't know. I don't no, know. no, I agree. Cause I just, I just saw this video the other day, this woman um, on Instagram, and I think she's in her thirties, but you know, she's like, everybody assumes that we want to go back to our twenties. She's like, no, she's nope. like, I don't want to go back there. Like most 20 nope. year olds are very insecure. You know what I mean? A lot of them are still vulnerable, really working on yeah. vulnerable, insecure, yeah. not loving. And then, you know, something really happens once you cross paths, you know, once you, you really start loving yourself more. And I know I've heard this from everyone and I've experienced myself and I, I know. Yeah, absolutely. So, so. Yeah. Beautiful. Have a wonderful rest of your day. I hope this is um, easier um, than the the conversation could roll into one another, but I hope it's easy to edit and you can post it soon. I look forward to hearing the final. It should be cool. Thank yeah. you so much, Farnaz. Thank you, oh, everyone. And do check awesome. out. Yay! <laughs> and everybody, please check out Farnaz's amazing music. And in case you don't know about her, she is maybe the only, are you the only person in the world or definitely the first to, so she's from Iran and she sings flamenco music, but she sings in Farsi. So she's kind of like merged <laughs> that she's created her whole own genre of music and people are just, you know, I'm sure they have all kinds of reactions, but for the most part, people are pretty blown away. I've seen you blown me away the first time I ever saw you perform I remember actually I was standing with Naray we were all singing at a at a fundraiser together and you started singing and she and I just grabbed each other and we were like whoa because (laughs) you you have so 
much power. Like the, the power that comes through you is like, whew, you know? So yeah, Farnaz Ohadi, check out her music, check out, I'll put links to your stuff here as well. But um, definitely watch, uh, watch both of us. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to A Voice for Love. This is Surya Devi. You can find me at suryadeviworld.com. I hope this series inspires you to discover your own voice for love so that you can be a force for good in your life and in the world. I wish you great joy, good health, and the courage to stand up for what you believe in. Peace.